Leeds United boss Jesse Marsh has tried to inspire his players with quotes from Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan and tales of Mahatma Gandhi and Mother Teresa. But perhaps the most important and relevant quote comes from the revered Greek philosopher Socrates, who once said, if you stop getting people stupidly sent off in the first half, that'd be a good start. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. We have three wise men on the tipping team today, starting with the revered Mark O'Hare. Mark, Leeds face Brighton on Sunday. They simply have to win, but they seem to have entirely and utterly lost the plot. Yeah, it's it's sad. Um, how did they get to this place? I, I don't really know, but um, I feel for Jesse Marsh. Um, I think he hasn't been given a fair kind of crack at things by the by the media over here being sort of labelled as as Ted Lasso before he even got to, to Ellen Road really. So he was always up against it, but his team have, have failed him recently and potentially those quotes that he's been talking about and the stories that have been coming out of the dressing room have probably worked against him in a, in a way uh, because Leeds clearly just haven't been able to control their emotions in recent matches and some of the tackles that have gone in have been downright ridiculous and Brent dead. I mean almost. honestly both of those Ailing and Dan James uh, what are you thinking and it's, it's deeply unprofessional isn't it really yeah I was going to say it's almost worthy of a, of a two-week fine um, it, it's been that sort of negligent really and um, it's a shame really but how did Leeds get here I, I'm still certain they wouldn't be in this mess if, if Bielsa had stayed I thought they were premature in the fact that they they sacked him clearly there was issues there but um, they sacked him after a run against some really tough opposition when he had basically half a team available. Uh, and it's no surprise then when Jesse Marsh got an easier run at things, they started picking up results and performances improved. But clearly there's issues going on, not just in terms of the treatment table, but discipline too. And it's a shame really because this week they get Liam Cooper back in the team and we're told Patrick Bamford is is very close to a comeback possibly this weekend. But then they go and lose Dan James to suspension and Jack Harrison to injury. Uh, Rafinha cramps up and is now considered a major doubt for the weekend as well. And you're kind of back at square one, really, just picking a, you know, basically a, a non-team, really. And you look at the bench in midweek, it's it, there's no one there, really. So we did expect them to struggle against Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, that tends to be Leeds' way. But, you know, shooting themselves in the foot in the manner which they have is, is unforgivable, really. And this is a really difficult game for them against Brighton, um, who are in a really good place. And We'll talk about it a lot over the last couple of weeks of the season and the motivation is difficult to quantify and the market tries to quantify it and they're kind of suggesting that Brighton don't have too much left to play for because if Brighton did they would be much well, they would be favourites in this match and and they're not and um, I've seen and read enough around Brighton in recent weeks to suggest that they definitely are focused on the end of the season they're on the verge of finishing in their, their highest ever finish as a club in the top flight and that's something that will add a huge amount of kudos um, as well as a huge amount of financial reward as well so and they're playing like it as well you know with a swagger with confidence the way in which they swashed uh, United aside last weekend was was really quite impressive uh, regardless of how United played Brighton were very good as they were against Wolves and in their previous fixture four wins from six one defeat in seven and this is a Brighton team who have the fourth best away record in the league um, four defeats away from home all season only the top three have lost um, fewer away games and only four teams have considered fewer away goals. So 
this is no easy meet for Leeds whatsoever. And um, I'm just surprised we can get Brighton plus zero on the Asian handicap onside on the exchange at 1.97, which is very, very appealing. Almost even money for Brighton draw no bet. And uh, yeah, they're 2.74 on the exchange. Southampton were 2.86 here last month. I think there's a, a big difference between the two teams and uh, the desperation and, and motivation factor has been a little bit overemphasized here by the by the compilers and the traders who are sort of attacking the exchange prices for me. So uh, the alternative, if you don't want that, you can back Brighton double chance and over one and a half goals on the sportsbook bet builder at 1.83. Uh, 83% of Brighton's away days have featured two goals or more. 83% of Leeds' home fixtures have featured two goals or more and Leeds have to go for it, don't they? So it should be quite open. It should be quite exciting, uh, but I'm very much pro-Brighton. Now, in 100 years' time, they might look back on the data-led teachings of InfoGoal's Jake Oscarthorpe in much the same way as we look back at the great mathematical scholars of the past, like Pythagoras, Carl Friedrich Gauss, and Big Bird from Sesame Street. Uh, Jake, Brighton feel like uh, they're not on the beach at the moment, as Mark says. Of course, geographically, they are on the beach. Uh, but, I mean, this is a bit of a nightmare for Leeds, isn't it, really? Because Mark's absolutely right to kind of draw that comparison and that parallel with Southampton because whereas Southampton have looked as if they're done for ages, Brighton are up for this. Yeah, they are. Southampton, um, I think Stinch said it maybe three or four weeks ago that they were, you know, they've already got the sandals on and the towels out, whereas Brighton are really, really up for it. And, and as Mark said, they are they're looking to finish in the highest ever position in top flight of football. So um, there's a lot of motivation there for Brighton. I think I think Graham Potter in particular came under some very unfair criticism around mid-season. So it'd be real vindication for him to guide them to their best league finish. Um, and ultimately, the performances have uh, warranted that that high sort of position in the league. They're, they've been the, the data darlings of, of the Premier League for the last couple of years. And uh, it's nice to actually see that the last three matches, they've created uh, two expected goals or more. And they've actually scored two or more goals in all three of them. What a Yay! surprise that is. Finally happened. Good lads. Yeah, <laughs> taking the chances. We knew it'd happen. Um, but yeah, very, my, my bet is exactly the same as, as Mark's. Brighton plus Norton Asian handicap. And um, yeah, just a little bit on Leeds because we know that defensively they they have massive shortcomings. They really are poor at times. Um, but it's their attacking process that's really let them down recently. Uh, obviously not helped by red cards in the first half, which does aut automatically change the, the approach. Uh, but across the last five matches, they have generated just 0.78 expected goals for per game. So they've been non-existent from an attacking standpoint. And that includes uh, a game against Watford as well, which teams are, are, are really doing a job on uh, these last couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, a little bit concerning. Obviously, they're in a massive relegation scrap. They're in big trouble. The Infocom model's got them around 62% chance of being relegated. So they've moved into strong favourites now. Um, and, yeah, Brighton, they're, they're a team finishing very strongly. Um, as Mark said, won four of six. The only defeat in that time to come against Manchester City, who... Let's face it, are finishing the season like a juggernaut. I think they're probably going to win out. But um, yeah, their process in that time has been very strong as well. Like I said, they've created two or more XG in all three last three matches. Um, and yeah, they, they've just looked really, really good. Uh, and I'm more than happy to back them at, at around even money with uh, a plus naught on the Asian handicap because this Leeds team, not only have they got, have they got some major injury issues, but they've obviously got suspensions. Um, I think Calvin Phillips hasn't really looked like himself since he's come back really worried to see what's going to happen with him, whether he'd have benefited from Bielsa's kind of um, return. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, for me, Brighton, they definitely get them on side in this one. 
and the pioneer of the sustainable edge, the great Mark Stinchcomb, like Plato and Archimedes, we only refer to him with a one-word name, and that is Stinch. Uh, Stinch leads have no discipline, and Jesse Marsh made a bit of a difference. He talks a good game, if you like David Brent, but... It's not really a team that's gone anywhere since he arrived. And I like him. There's a lot to like about him. But the the bare truth is there in the numbers, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, I like him too. We've spoken about him a few times. I, I think even if he does get relegated, uh, I, I wouldn't want to hold that against him. But I think, unfortunately, for his CV, he'll have, the, he'll have that relegation. And also his sort of poor record at Leipzig and as we mentioned previously since Tedesco's come in there to guide them to um, German Cup final unlucky obviously not to make the Europa League uh, final there as well but his record there is really good and it just again Jesse Marsh is already up against it as Mark kind of alluded to with the lazy uh, American um, remarks so yeah, I, I'm not sure any, uh, probably better Leeds maybe just stuck to their guns and, and kept Bielsa um, and then looked at maybe implementing a, a change in the summer when you've got a bit more time to get things in order. Um, yeah, regarding the discipline, I, I was I was not shocked, but when you see the numbers, was shocked. Like Leeds broke the record for the most cards ever in a Premier League season. and It's 100 it, now, isn't it? Yes. Together? Yeah, which is just incredible. I mean, Junior Furpo himself, I think he's got 10. He doesn't even play. Like, when, when is he getting these 10 cards? It's, yeah, it's, it's no wonder, you know, we, uh, with the fact they are, they are in the situation they are in, it's not helped when they are losing their heads. Um, so, yeah, that implosion, it was obviously really bad. I mean, I think it's probably just worth touching on the, on the outright odds now as well. Leeds 4-7 to seven to be relegated, Burnley 6-4, to four, Everton a huge 14-1 to one after hovering around the even money mark for a while, just to go to show the improvement that's gone on there in terms of their results. Leeds obviously Brighton at home, then Brentford away, but level on points with Burnley, although... Uh, 21 worse in goal difference and obviously Burnley got a game in hand uh, Burnley go Tottenham away Villa away then Newcastle at home I still think there's a chance for for Leeds because uh, obviously Tottenham chasing top four and, and Villa and Newcastle both reasonable teams as well and whether we just see the volatility with football especially towards the end of the season it's very difficult to call so I still think there's Leeds to have a chance but yeah, there's no way I'd want to back them given their um, absentees and, and performances and, yeah, complete lack of discipline. I wanted to try and side with Brighton in a similar way I did with Chelsea during the week, back in Chelsea to win over three and a half goals at a big price. But I just can't really trust Brighton. I can really understand why the lads would want to oppose Leeds, but I just I just can't trust uh, to trust Brighton. Um, or I'm not very good at getting them right, basically. Um, back them to to do something positive and 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 they and they fail when the numbers say they should and then vice versa so but i think the bet that i've landed on quite happy i'm like just as happy with really it's it's over two and a half goals which i mentioned on the saturday podcast of four to five i've just seen now it's five to six so it's chalked up as 50 50 and yeah i just happy really have to go with that given leeds is um 18 of the last 22 games have gone over 2.5 goals and i know we don't really associate brian with a uh with an overs team but the last four have gone overs and I don't think it's any surprise when you consider that uh, in the Premier League as mentioned previously uh, thanks to to Mark's data the the average in May goes up 
to 2.89 per game compared to the overall 2.73 over the last um, eight seasons. So, yeah, no surprise to see the goals increase when we get towards the end of the season because of the freedom that some of the players now have. And, you know, Brighton, obviously, I don't think we've mentioned it, obviously they won 4-0 against Man United last, last week and, and, you know, made them look very, 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 very poor. Um, obviously, they are already poor. So to make that even worse was a lot of credit there. Um, so I, I'm envisaging, I mean, Leeds need to win. No, Make no bones about it. There's no There's no way I can see them settling for a point regardless of what's going on at Burnley. So they will need to attack. So I just think I just think it's going to be quite basketball-y. Um, and I think Brighton could contribute to the scoreline just by themselves. So yeah, over two and a half goals at five to six, I think is juicy enough to get involved with. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over, under, and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. To the title race then, a Manchester City will have pretty much wrapped up the league if they win at West Ham on Sunday because their goal difference is so good, having been inflated by a 5-0 win over Newcastle and a 5-1 win at Wolves. Kevin De Bruyne scored four of those five goals, but Jake you would think that West Ham would put up more of a fight than Wolves did. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the West Ham are by far and away a better team than Wolves. And uh, I don't know if we've mentioned this before. I'm pretty sure we have. But Wolves have been in the false position pretty much the entire Premier League season. Um, they should be a bottom half team based on the underlying data. West Ham are firmly a top half team, a top seven team based on their data. Um, yeah, and, and now they've you know they've got no European distraction, which helps because obviously the Europa League final would have been on the Wednesday after this game. Um, and it bounced back really, really well from defeat to Frankfurt, that disappointment. Admittedly, it was only Norwich. I think everyone's battering Norwich right now, aren't they? Which is not surprising. Um, but they welcome Manchester City to London Stadium, where they've been really, really strong from an XG perspective. They've averaged 1.7 expected goals for, 1.25 against. Um, and obviously, they, they have, they've got a de- decent recent record um, against Manchester City at home. Uh, 0-0 in the Carabao Cup final this season. Not final, sorry, Carabao Cup. Um, Carabao and 1-1. Cup, yeah. I nodded there season. as if, yeah, 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 yeah you nodded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cup Jedi final. mind yeah. tricked me there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and, and they drew 1-1 in the same fixture last season. So they've got <clears throat> they've got recent um, decent form against Manchester City. And I think they, they have caused them some issues at the Etihad as well. And they're losing 2-1 um, and this season and last season as well. Um, which sort of brings me on to my bet, which is West Ham plus one and a half on the Asian handicap, which is around 1.9 on the exchange. So obviously this would still, if Manchester City win, which I, I am expecting them to, um, would still get paid out if they only win by one goal. And I think West Ham are good enough to hang in there rather than get absolutely hammered like the last four opponents have uh, for Manchester City. Was it 5-1 at Wolves? You mentioned the 5-0 against Newcastle. They've obviously they've, they've scored a 4-5 and five before that as well in the league. So they are on fire from an attacking standpoint, but I think West Ham will be right up for uh, causing a few issues. Um, and the other thing I just thought was really interesting to look at is something we have mentioned about Manchester City, which is the defensive absentees. Um, that only really came into force last week and, uh, and this week, Newcastle and Wolves. Two teams that I don't think are anywhere near um, have got the same attacking capabilities as what West Ham do. I think this will be a really big test for Manchester City's sort of makeshift or second string back line um, coming up against Antonio, uh, Ben Rama, uh, Fornals, Bowen, whoever else plays for West Ham. I think it'll be a really big test. Um, and yeah, I, I think that 
West Ham will be able to score, maybe get a couple and make this really competitive and, and you know, maybe give Liverpool some hope going to the final day of the season. Um, but yeah, I, I just I thought that Manchester City were a little bit too short at this price and, and I think West Ham are good enough to hang in there um, and at the very least lose by just one goal. Worth bearing in mind, our fantastic Ackers and Bet Builders offer is running every day. Bet £10 on Ackers or Bet Builders and receive a £2 free bet to use on Ackers or Bet Builders. T's and C's apply. Stinch, the National League season is coming to its conclusion and you've got a pick for us involving one of the teams pushing for the title, although uh, it looks like a forlorn hope, maybe. Potentially. Um but I'm going to suggest that maybe there is still a, a reasonable chance. Yeah, I'm looking at Dagenham and Redbridge uh, against Wrexham for a bet. Uh, Dagenham are eight to five, and Wrexham's slight favourites at six to five. Simple conundrum for Wrexham after 13 wins in 17 games with just one defeat. They need to win and hope that Stockport lose to to win the league and ultimately get promoted. And yeah, I think there's a, a chance that, that they could do it. Stockport at home to fourth place Halifax, uh, who are themselves are looking to finish in the, the top three to qualify for the playoff semis rather than the, the, the playoff quarters. And Halifax are, are just five to two to win that game. So I definitely think there's an every chance that these two results could happen. Um, and Stockport themselves have stuttered of late. They've lost four of the last seven, as well as losing in the FA Trophy semi to Wrexham. And the three games they have won have all been narrow 1-0 wins. Halifax have just lost once in the last nine and they beat Stockport 3-0 in the reverse. So, yeah, I think there's every chance that we we could see the two results required. Um, Wrexham are facing a, a Dagenham side that are looking to sneak into the playoffs, but they face a fairly tough task because they need to win and hope that Chesterfield lose uh, home to Woking and Chesterfield are one to two faves. So they'd be hoping for Woking to win at four to one. So obviously the price suggests that that is quite a big outsider. Um, and this is a Dagenham side that's got the worst record in the, in the top 10 in terms of defeats. They've lost 15 matches this season and their record against the, the better teams is poor with, with nine defeats in 13 against the top seven including losing the last six. So the bet I'm looking at is Wrexham draw no bet at four to five. So plenty on your side there. So the only way the bet would lose is if Dagenham were to win. And obviously I mentioned their ability against the better teams. And if you do fancy uh, Wrexham to win and Stockport to lose, I would recommend backing Wrexham to win the league at eight to one. And you recommended Wrexham ages ago, didn't you? At a really big price. Yeah, it wasn't. It, I thought it was quite big at the time. It wasn't huge. I recommended Wrexham. I think it was four to one or nine to two um, just after New Year. And really it was to oppose Chesterfield. Chesterfield, like around about even money. And you've, we've seen what happened to them. They've dropped down to seventh. Um, so it was on the right lines. Um, just Stockport went on, on an unbelievable run. They won like 15 out of 16 games, which is absolutely unbelievable. So fair play to them. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm obviously already involved, so I am hoping for this uh, this flip flop of results. But uh, yeah, if you're not already invested, then yeah, back in Wrexham at eight to one, I think it obviously gives you a runner, and you don't even have to necessarily take them and draw no bet as well. You could just go for the eight to one. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon, whatever you do, and then check the results at five o'clock, and you might have a nice winner. To Italy then, and Genoa scrapping for their Serie A lives as they visit Napoli, Mark. Yeah, well, we're well into city season now where teams are being priced up more on motivation than their 
their actual sort of on-field quality. And I, I think there's no better evidence to that than uh, Sunday's match. Napoli versus Genoa. Uh, Napoli weren't able to sustain their Scudetto challenge. They're guaranteed to finish in the top four. So in theory, have nothing left to play for here. They're playing a Genoa team, as you say, scrapping for survival. They're two points adrift of safety at the minute. They're marooned in the bottom three. Um, now, ordinarily, Napoli would be around 1.3 to win this match, I would say. Uh, and if we look at Genoa's opponents, closing prices so far this season, particularly the elite teams, we can see Inter were 1.31 at home to Genoa back in August, Juventus 1.22, Roma 1.37, Atalanta 1.35, Milan 1.38. So, you know, at least below 1.4. Napoli are 1.82 here to beat Genoa at the San Paolo. Uh, too big for me and my personal theory surrounding motivation at this time of the season is you've got to take each game individually. Um, but just because now, uh, just because Genoa need to win doesn't make them a, a better football team, doesn't mean they will win. Uh, they've tried to win every game they've played this season, obviously, and they've only won four times in 36. Now, two of those four wins did come in the last three matches, but both of which were at the Marassi. They've lost the last three away. They've won once away from home all season. They've failed to score in seven of nine trips to the top half. They've taken two points in those nine trips. Um, so for me, there's very little evidence to suggest that they're going to magically transform into a, a winnable beast here at Napoli. And um, I just think on Napoli, they're a club who historically are a very emotional club. They do find it difficult to keep those emotions in check when the pressure goes on. I might be sort of verging into lazy stereotypes there, but we've seen it enough in the past couple of seasons. And that was the case this time. And they lost at Empoli not so long ago to all but end their, their sort of title hopes. And they since returned thrashing Sassuolo here at the San Paolo 6-1. And then he turned over Torino away from home last week, which is no mean feat really for a team who've got nothing left to play for. Uh, and I think it's worth bearing in mind as well. They've got a fully fit squad available to them. I think they're a much bigger danger when they are feeling relaxed. They've won eight of 10 home games against teams in 10th and below. And also it's the last home game for Lorenzo Insigne and Dries Mertens, who looks to be going away as well at the end of the season. So that's that's a big deal for those players. And I think that's a big deal. As again, I mentioned it on the Saturday podcast about Mainz, your last home game of the season. There is a, a responsibility really to kind of go out and put together one last performance. So I think there is still a lot for Napoli to play for here. And they're playing a Genoa team who scored one goal in the last seven away games. Yet Napoli are 1.82. It just it stinks to me. And look, there's no news at the minute about uh, Spalletti making widespread changes. I'd be shocked if he did. He's got a full, fully fit squad available to him. And as I said, there's a number of key players who will be moving on who probably want to give one last hurrah for their for their fans as well. So, you know, I'd expect them to be uh, 1.5 biggest, even with the sort of motivation factor built in and, and the desperation too. So um, Genoa are not a good football team. And I'll happily back this price every day of the week. And finally, back to the Premier League and a clash of mid-table sides, Jake, as Villa face Palace. Find us some inspiration here. Yeah, mid-table sides and, you know, there is very little motivation for either. And I think that, that could mean a very open game because um, a lot of there'll be a lot of tinkering managers probably trying to um, new tactics, new systems maybe ahead of next season, <clears throat> assess a couple of players that they might want to move on. Uh, and ultimately, these players will be given a bit, a bit of freedom, I think, um, given there's nothing on the line. And just in general, this season, we've seen chances at both ends when it comes to um, Palace matches and Villa matches. So I was looking at both teams to score, which is around 1.82 on the exchange. And I just thought it was a, a, a pretty decent price, given everything that, that's, that I've said. Um, 
I think Palace, uh, Villa in particular, the last couple of games have, have stepped up their attacking uh, process. They created a fair bit against Liverpool, um, even when the goalkeeper made a save and the offside flag didn't go up. Uh, thankfully, that doesn't go down on the XG. But um, yeah, 1.3 expected goals for 1.4 against is what they've managed at home this season. Definitely been more attack-minded of late. Um, and Crystal Palace, they won back-to-back. Uh, looks very impressive in their last three matches. But away from home has been their Achilles heel and it's probably the reason why they won't finish in the top half this season because their home process has been absolutely fantastic. I think it's maybe the sixth or uh, fifth or sixth best in the entire Premier League. Um, something that I think myself and Emmett touched on last week uh, in the pod, just just how good Crystal Palace have been overall um, and that they should really have been challenging for Europe had it not been for some unfortunate results. Um, but yeah, away from home, they've looked a little bit more vulnerable defensively, 1.45 expected goals against per game. Um, yeah, little little to play for. I'm expecting attack-minded approaches from both. Um, and like Mark says, it, it is silly season for a couple of reasons. You get a lot of um, you know bookmakers pricing up motivation matches, but you can also get a lot of really crazy high-scoring matches between teams that have nothing to play for. Uh, and I think that, that ties into what Cinch was saying about May in the Premier League seeing more goals on average than any other month. So um, yeah, I, I quite like that. Just a, a, a very backable price. Sounds like great fun and a good way to end the show. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, every single Premier League game gets its own dedicated preview on our website, betting.betfair.com. We'll have a Europa League final preview as well. All of the conclusions to the big leagues across Europe too. That's all on betting.betfair.com. From Jake, from Stinch, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.